Maybe I'm missing something. But for the life of me, I can't figure this out. I read and I read and I watch and I watch. Everyone wants to tell me how the world is going to hell. Everyone wants to tell me why. The environment is threatened by corporations. The police are racist thugs with guns. Amazon doesn't give their workers pee breaks. The Gaza Strip is an open-air prison. Wall Street is plundering the wealth of our country, and the IMF is raping the wealth of the rest of the world. All governments of the world's countries are corrupt. There is starvation when there is food. There is greed when there is need. And you are telling me. You are telling me as if I'm directly responsible. We had a response to this type of misdirected blame when I was a kid. It's your world. I'm just living in it. I think that it is apropos at this juncture in history as well. The alternative press, indeed the entirety of citizen journalism, is as effectual as a long drink of water. It isn't getting anything done, save to inform people that there are problems in the world, as if people didn't realize that. But they are pinpointing who is responsible, you might well add. Uh-huh. Well, that's the first step to changing things. Not. Not unless you also have their home addresses. Never in the history of this sad planet have so many bitched about so much. And it all amounts to nothing. It isn't changing a damned thing. I've yet to hear, Storm the castle! Lynch the bastards! We all know who is responsible for the nightmare that is the human condition. But as Mark Twain once observed about the weather, no one does anything about it. We all know what needs to be done, and yet we play the peaceful protest game made up by the very people that stand to benefit from such innocuous solutions. And we are left with only the idiots that burn down little Caesars. That'll show him. But things are not just that simple. There are various solutions to various problems, you say. I have always been what is known as a hammer mechanic. If you can't get it done with a hammer, use a bigger one. Of course, I could get into a lot of trouble calling for revolution here. But fuck it, I'm tired of everyone telling everyone else what is wrong. They are telling the wrong people. You tell Lloyd Blankfein about the misery he has caused in the world just before you tighten the noose around his neck. You tell Rupert Murdoch about the millions he has wronged minutes before you throw him out a 30-story window. You inform Bibi Netanyahu that he is a racist murdering pig the instant that you toss him unarmed into a crowd of Palestinian prisoners. These people deserve no more justice than this. But what about the rule of law? You might well ask. Did you vote for a law that allows corporations to attain the rights of the individual? 
Did you vote for the Patriot Act? Did you vote to make Israel a state within Palestine? No. Well, who did all these things without your consent? I could go on forever and have for years here about what the roots of our problems are and it won't change anything. A child can see how to begin to fix the inequities of this planet. But it takes a politically correct adult to avoid addressing the problems effectively. And it ain't about carrying placards or suing some company or other. It ain't about voting for yet another charming, greedy bastard. You know this. And yet you pee your knickers every time you think about doing the right thing. Putting your foot down. Getting a spine. So... Yes, I am calling for the revolution to begin. Don't let them convince you that anarchy isn't what you need to order off the menu. It cannot be any worse than this antiquated hierarchy that we live in today. Again, you know this, but you are afraid. You admire V for blowing up Parliament to the tune of the 1812 Overture and slashing the throats of the elite rulers and yet you pause at such rash solutions yourself. It makes us no different from them to sink to that level, I hear you say. Yeah. And? What you call out in all your bitching has a logical conclusion. Revolution is a revolution. It isn't watching YouTube videos about what we should be doing in the face of annihilation of our species by a few. You string them up. I don't know how I can say that any more clearly. V isn't going to do it for you. Jesus isn't going to do it for you. Muhammad or Kim Kardashian aren't going to fight your battles. I haven't been around much of late. This is the reason. I'm sick of all the bitching from people that don't want to sacrifice anything for a better world. When you get a group together with torches and pitchforks, give me a call and stop telling me about it unless you are ready to fucking well stop it. Hey, welcome to Turf Rail Radio.
Welcome to Third Rail Radio. Call in now. Six four six nine two nine one four eight zero. Now your host, Antichrist's seventy three and Encap Dalek. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Third Rail Radio. This is Andy Crisis and my co-host, Ann Cap Dalek, the little anarcho-capitalist robot who is out to exterminate. Um, he is uh, sewing up the uh, compulsory technical issues with Blog Talk Radio, but uh, will be joining us momentarily. Um, oh, don't no worry, I'm here. Dalek, how are you, my brother? I'm doing well. Um, hopefully, we can try and get this done. Uh, unfortunately, the um, uh, the other quote unquote and caps who are trying to say that oh well, what are you doing? You're doing everything wrong, which is believing no. Anyways, <laughs> uh, oh but I love those guys. I love those cats. You know, I mean, definitely. But um, we got a big guest. I I mean, uh, hopefully, we can uh, get into uh, the uh, whatever it was. Uh, the 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 line or the number maybe raise his hand up and uh, put it out there I I'd be definitely excited for that um, I don't know where he's at right at this very moment but um, hopefully we can get him on um, well we we chatted earlier so I'm I'm sure uh, between you and Rebel you guys will be able to get him on and of course uh, Dalek is talking about um, Christopher Cantwell the irreverent self-described anarchist uh, who uh, who I I personally think is is quite a bright guy. He says uh, some really smart things and some really uh, outlandish things. Um, and when you read his stuff on his blog, which is uh, ChristopherCantwell.com, that's when you really kind of get into the layers of his intelligence and uh, kind of start to see between the rhetoric. So hopefully he'll uh, he'll get through on the line. And uh, I thought you, Daleks, all all thought with one collective uh, consciousness or brain or program or um, operating system or what have you. Yeah. But but, but maybe, maybe not all the time. Huh? Well, I mean, I I couldn't really hear. I'm sorry. I, I didn't really pay attention. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's I'm, all right. I'm trying, to, I'm trying I... to do everything else, you know. All right, but, well, uh, you do your one. thing. I'll keep. I, I don't no, 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 actually, just ask the question, buddy. Ask the question. Uh, I, I thought you, Daleks, all you know, thought with one one collective operating system. You're having a little uh, a little um, strife, um, a little buggy buggy shit in the system. I guess so. I guess well, so. It, oh well, life goes it, on. Life goes on. It happens to the best of us, but. Uh, I hope you get your circuitry straightened out, and meanwhile, you take care of uh, uh, the technical difficulties we may be having. But um, but I'll do a quick uh, a, a quick 
chat room shout out uh, the mothership up at the top of the uh, board, Revolution Radio, and he has a show uh, coming on tonight at um, ten o'clock. It looks like, which uh, which I will always look forward to. Um, and Monster Vesa OK has a question. Feel free to ask. Monster Vesa is mucho bueno. Es mucho necesito. Es mucho mucho OK. OK. Good. Uh, Canadian Glenn, much love and respect to Mr. Canadian Glenn. Um, he's he's snoozing on the line. Jack Beagleman um, is in the house. Uh, a sharp wit and a sharper uh, tongue. Uh, Jack, welcome to the show. Uh, Ma Cerveza um, and Vert, my man Vert. Welcome, guys. Um, and... Uh, Thanks for joining us on tonight's episode of Third Rail Radio, 8 p.m. prime time. Um, but nothing, Glenn. I was just saying hello. Go back to the morphine drip. And uh, <laughs> and Cerveza, feel free to ask your question. But um, a little bit about Christopher Cantwell while we wait for him to call in. Um, he um, he he's had he, he's had quite a, a few years. Um, Dalek first brought my attention to him probably about a year and a half ago after he had just been essentially booted out of New Hampshire by uh, the Free State Party um, and uh, um, because of saying some things about uh, self-defense against police officers, um, which I thought sounded perfectly logical that, you know, if, if you're being encroached upon by police officers on your property and they don't have the proper... Um, uh, warrant or paperwork to be uh, uh, up on your up on your property on your land in your in your doorway, etc. Then you have a right to uh, defend yourself. I I didn't find that that um, outlandish myself. Yet the Free State Party, which labeled itself at the time as sort of a uh, you know free thinking anarchist anti-state um, entity, booted him out. Um, and rightly so, Chris left um, and uh, uh, had some um, both entertaining, poignant, and, and also sometimes um, uh, pretty intense um, back and forth uh, battles between um, you know the Free State Party, his his former colleagues, um, peers, friends, whatever, and uh, himself. And um, he did his thing in his blog and, and was out challenging people and, and the way they think about everything from Occupy to uh, money and politics. Um, and he's now kind of uh, taken another another step um, forward, sideways, backwards, depending on your perspective. Um, and uh, it has officially kind of gotten back into the uh, back into the um, game. Um, and has joined the Libertarian Party um, and has uh, uh, clearly, by doing so, drawn both ire and um, praise from, from different sides of both the anarchist um, construct, argument, debate, and the Libertarian construct um, debate. Um, yeah. Um, so, 
it's okay if I can speak a little bit about it. Now, when I think about it, he actually said this, and uh, I actually uh, met a few people from over New Hampshire. I mean, their political system is pretty uh, friendly to, uh, like, you know, anarchists. Uh, a lot of people who uh, don't really like the state can't actually go up there, and, you know, more ANCAPs are really more welcomed around the the uh, the New Hampshire area, so... It's kind of nice. Plus, I mean, you can wear a gun and also have your camera out so within the House legislature. So, you know, I think it's very interesting uh, of a place. And it's definitely different from many other varieties of areas uh, within this uh, uh, construct that we call the United States. Um, so, and not only that, it's, uh, it's one of the top freest uh, states in the whole country, so I think it's really nice. Well, as you know, as you know, Dalek, I live right next door to New Hampshire and Vermont, um, and uh, we are uh, pretty much um, well. We're, we're the mirror of one another as far as uh, geologically and, and geographically. Uh, same size state. Um, I think Vermont. Is uh, is a pretty pretty decent place to live. Myself, uh, this winter has been absolutely deplorable. Uh, but uh, aside from the weather, um, we have a lot of the um, the same advantages of having a, a low population density, uh, saturation. Um, we can we can get a lot of uh, um, direct access to uh, both our town and the state government. Um, um, so, you know, New Hampshire and Vermont are pretty unique. Um, you know, they resemble Northern Europe um, a lot more uh, in in many ways than um, than the rest of the United States as far as uh, how, how progressive they are, how laissez-faire they are, both, uh, or at least economically, um, not so much morally or culturally, we still sort of have that deep uh, puritanical archetype embedded in our in our in our consciousness in our programming. Um, you know, uh, I, I was I, I, that's certainly something I I have a, an issue with. But as far as as things um, like guns, um, you know, and New Hampshire is much better on taxes. Um, I, I think uh, we have better, we have more um, liberal um, gun laws in New Hampshire. They're pretty, they're pretty similar. But uh, as far as taxes go, um, uh, New Hampshire is way, way ahead of, of Vermont in um, in how they uh, tax their citizens. Um, in Vermont, it can actually be quite a burden. Um, especially for a lot of old school Vermonters who have uh, lots of land, um, and uh, now that farming is what it is, um, don't have the income that they used to. Um, so um, you know, so there is a big difference there, and um, I have found it interesting to watch kind of the. the uh, um, growth of the free state movement and the New Hampshire movement and um, guys like Chris um, and uh, um, Adamo Freeman, um, uh, you know, setting up setting up in, in Vermont. And I know Adamo 
just finished building a, a tiny home um, and uh, maybe moving on to building a little tiny home community, which I think is, is fucking awesome. Um, so, uh, but, so what's the word, uh, Dalek? Any, uh, any, any boards light, any lights lighting up on that old board there? Not yet. Um, unfortunately, uh, not at this very moment. Hopefully, uh, he'll remember and, uh, we can get him on the show. I think, I think he will. I think he will. Um, a couple things in current events, uh, um, to talk about um, that, that have uh, just just occurred. Um, I think probably the most important is uh, this um, significant bomb bombing um, in Yemen um, that uh, uh, ISIS or whatever has uh has taken responsibility for you know over i think over 140 killed um and its significance um is that although Yemen has always been um a hotbed um of uh um of um resistance of arab resistance or extremism or however you term it in your own definition um, it's also been under the thumb as far as the the government of the United States hegemony for as long as I can remember, 52 or so, just just about when it all happened. Um, and it, it it is the humble opinion of this host um, that this that this chaos is being sown um, intentionally um, and with the intent. Um, to establish uh, the deep water port um, uh, off the coast of Yemen that Putin has um, deprived the United States of by taking Crimea. Um, I'm pretty sure that uh, uh, maybe less than three years ago, four years ago, the United States thought that they could move into uh, move into the black into the Caspian Sea, the Black Sea area, and take over that. Um, port in Crimea, and uh, um, Putin put a put the kibosh on that. Um, we need that eastern port um, as our as our gateway shipping, not just for military purposes, but also um, for commerce. Um, you know, if if money's flowing, uh, it's usually peaceful. Um, if there's money issues, then war. Uh, rears its ugly head, um, and uh, there's several um, areas on the coast of Yemen that would make lovely uh, ports that would double as uh, shipping ports, um, uh, fuel ports, and also uh, military, naval, um, uh, you know, protection. Um, so that's I think that's a big development in the Middle East as as we see uh um you know the Middle East continue to kind of uh just exhale and inhale in and out of uh chaos and then on the verge of chaos and then chaos again um, but um so you know I don't know if you looked at that story at all Dalek um but uh you know if if you're uh, if you're a listener and and sort of 
keep an eye on the Middle East as the barometer of what what's happening in uh, in the geopolitical world, um, especially as far as energy prices, stock market. Um, <laughs> then, you know, I think this was a significant a significant thing. Um, domestically, um, Ferguson has uh, sort of reignited um, for several reasons, um, one of them being another shooting. Um, uh, it's hard to keep track of all these uh, of all these shootings. Um, well, I, uh, go ahead. Well, I mean, if it was the person or, like, I mean, there has been a lot of stuff that's going on. And from what I've heard, uh, a lot of people who have gotten hurt by the police officers or the protesters, uh, you know, it's pretty interesting, you know. Um, but I would say if, uh, if you know, they were kind of attacking first, I mean, I would uh, I would say... You know what? The person had everything in the right, but you know that's that's just me. No, I I think you I think you bring up a good point. Um, uh, you know, and and one one to take into consideration. Um, um, and but that also begs the question: like, who's responsible for what over in the Middle East right now? Right? Um, we've got uh, we. The United States is currently playing, you know, not just two sides, but I think five sides at last count in one form or another. Um, and that just can't end well. Um, oh, yeah. You know, when you when you bet on every horse, you get four losers and one winner. Um, and unless the odds are correct, and maybe they are, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not. I don't know the bookie. I don't know the odds. But unless the odds are right, you're you're going to end up losing money, um, and uh, that seems seems to be what what's happening in the Middle East now. Um, um, Iran is is uh, dangerously close to um, gaining a foothold in Iraq, um, which of course we spent billions of dollars and killed. Un, you know, uncountable am, amounts of people to try to prevent in the 80s and 90s, um, and now uh, because of this quote-unquote ISIS threat, we have in, you know invited Iran into Iraq to uh, help stabilize and and make more uh, competent the Iraqi military. So Iran sends their shrewdest, most talented military tactician mind into Iraq. He's not letting go. Um, so I've been thinking of new names for uh, the Iraq Iran. I think I came up with Iraq in Iraq in an instant in an instant in an yeah Iraq in an instant. That was my final one. Um, you know which uh, which obviously has um, um, Israel nervous. I think if uh, if Netanyahu wasn't such a fucking psychopath and could could take a second back down from his own um, inner demons um, and pathologies, um, he could, uh, you know, he could he could work this a little more smoothly, but, you know, aggression is met with aggression, um, and uh, that's all he can show. So, of course, of course, Iran will push into Iraq and, uh, you know, 
you know, it, and established as much of a of a foothold as they can, and then get out and use the old art of war technique to uh, to uh, sway, um, you know, their um, their their particular. Uh, Jesus, I always get confused. I don't want to say the wrong thing, but I'm pretty sure it's Shia. Um, Shia sect of the Muslims within um, Iraqi. So then you get that sectarian cycle just reworked up. So it's interesting. Everybody on the chat board is snoozing. So I'm either boring as hell. Um, (laughs) No, there goes Vert. Thank God. Um, Yes. Well, I think the Zionists did 9-11. I'm not, I'm not sure, you know, if it was Rabbi Goldstein down at the down at the synagogue. Um, but, uh, um, but but yes, an entity, an entity very much aligned with uh, with Israel and um, and its Zionist underpinnings. Um, I do believe we're hand in hand responsibly. Um, Either by complicit complicity or um, or uh, intentional negligence um, in nine eleven. Um, so um, you know, go ahead, my while brother. while uh, you know Christopher is uh, gonna come around in just a little bit. Uh, let's get somebody uh, on the line. We have Jvab. Hey guys, hey, how you doing tonight, brother? Great, man. Jvab, how are you, man? Well, Jay is doing really, really awesome as always because I found a new passion in my life, you know, and, and, and having a new passion in life, it, it, it ignites these um, flames, and, and, and I don't know what it is. It's so hard to explain sometimes, but I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Hey, I thought uh, I thought your show last night was uh, was the best one yet. You, you really, like, hit your stride. Your confidence was right there. Um, that was a fun show, man. Much appreciated. And if you guys don't know who uh, JVAB is, and everybody in the chat room does, but for the archive, JVAB um, is the newest member of the Revolution Radio Network, but uh, one of the oldest friends to uh, to the hardcore right. group of cats who started this all. And all right. uh, Before we get into anything else, I'm going to try to play some amount of, well, fuck it. You know what? Never mind. We have Christopher Cantwell on the on live. Uh, uh, Christopher Cantwell, how are you doing, my friend? Good to be with you guys. Sorry, I'm late. Hey, that's quite all right, man. Fashionably late is uh, is fine. And thanks for joining us. Um, Saturday prime time, eight o'clock is uh, it's it's not the most convenient time. But Chris, we really appreciate it, man. Welcome to the show. Yeah, I'm I'm happy to be here. Yeah, I've been like I've been chaotic with uh, I, I had mentioned on on my show uh, the other night. You know, I kind of went through a, a security fucking panic on uh, on my end. I had somebody like hacked into my cable modem and rebooted my modem like as they DDoSed my website, and I was like, okay, I think it's time to like reformat all my computers and change all my passwords. So things have been a little bit hectic on my end while I get everything reorganized here. And and then I just like looked at my phone. I was like, oh, wait a second. I, I got to be on there. So I'm, uh, right. I'm, I'm glad to be with you guys. What's happening? Not much, not much. Um, yeah. The, uh, the technical aspects, uh, um, I've been tuning into Chris's show, which is Friday afternoon. And 
it's sort of a simulcast on uh, on on YouTube uh, through Google Plus, maybe, um, and it's an awesome show. Um, and uh, he had uh, some technical difficulties yesterday. And for old guys like us, um, you know, it's not it's not as seamless um, as it is for some of your young pups. Um, you know that. This stuff, uh, this stuff. Well, we weren't born with this stuff at our fingertips. Remember, we were dialing telephones um, with rotary dialers, um, and it took about 15 minutes to dial a local telephone number. Um, but uh, Chris, fucking welcome to the show. Um, I've, I've been, I have been sort of cramming um, on uh, on on libertarian uh, literature um, and got. Uh, completely uh sidetracked and uh pretty immersed into Murray Rothbard. Um uh, a great writer, uh, Murray. Yeah, yeah, a great writer, a sharp mind. Um and uh and you know, if if there's anybody out there who um flirts with the idea of anarchy or um or or being free of the state, um I would highly recommend uh giving Murray Rothbard a uh, a Google um, and uh, you know some some of the earliest kind of uh, thinking about about how anarchy could exist um, realistically uh, in a modern construct. So Chris, last time this is the second time Mr. Cantwell has been on our show, and uh, last time Chris was on the show, I was giving a little summation earlier. Um, you had had just moved out of New Hampshire, had been kicked out of the Free State Party for uh, speaking uh, truth and logic about cops encroaching upon one's own personal property. Um, and, um, you know, and and I've kind of watched as, as you've done this 360. Um, you're back in New Hampshire, and what's going on? Well, I'm I am back in New Hampshire, and I'm still I mean I'm still kicked out of the Free State Project. I haven't changed my position on the issue Good. that got me kicked out of that organization. But uh, you know but, I am yeah. I am I am in a position now where I have a, a rather large microphone. The co-host of uh, Free Talk Live, it's a nationally syndicated talk radio show that airs on over 150 broadcast stations across the United States, as well as a number of uh, cable networks and uh, and and a uh, number of streaming providers. So, uh, me and uh, it's Ian Freeman's show along with uh, Mark Edge, and I'm on I'm on there with them. And uh, it's been helpful because I mean a lot of people here had sort of run with uh, you know rumor and conjecture, if you will, about that you know I'm some you know uh, terrible person who just wants to you know kill the mailman and the meter maid, uh, and 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 through uh, the course of hosting that program people who are too lazy to read get to listen and thus i am uh i have been uh you know changing a number of hearts and minds and and getting people to uh to think a little bit more and that's been uh, a, a wonderful success and i'm having a real blast up here other than the winter this is my first new hampshire winter i had originally moved here in 2012 and i was here for like the spring and summer and then i went back to new york when i had gotten a job opportunity back there and when i uh, this is my first New Hampshire winter, and it is an absolutely miserable fucking experience that uh, <laughs> the snow just comes down and then freezes and then more snow comes down on top of it. But other than that, I'm having a, a wonderful time and uh, and uh, producing what a lot of people consider to be wonderful media. So I'm very happy. Yeah, 
Yes, I, th- I would agree with that. And um, uh, you are producing great stuff and, and making people think and challenging sort of the uh, uh, the rigor morale, um, uh, the established sort of narrative of thinking. And, um, and I appreciate that big time. Um, now, I, you know, as, as, as since you were on the show first, I've, I've followed, I've followed your blog and such, and you're, you are getting some blowback, um, for sort of, uh, joining, joining quote unquote, the game or the system again. Uh, and, uh, in my personal opinion, uh, you know, I, I think that, Doing something is always better than doing nothing, um, and I, I admire um, the the initiative. Uh, what what made you kind of pivot um, and turn back towards uh, affecting change through um, the political system, and um, not by uh, you know sort of yelling and screaming and and um, like a lot of us in this, in this community do. Well, understand something. I'm all in favor of yelling and screaming, and I do quite a bit of that myself. However, you know, being on the ground here in New Hampshire, I, I, you know, for a long time, I, I sort of ran with this uh, hardline anarchist position that, you know, uh, uh, voting and participating in politics only perpetuates faith in the system, and that it, you know, it's incapable of affecting real change, and that you just get you know, tricked and swindled and screwed out of your your liberty by begging for it. And and I've been running with that line and, you know, if you will, like sort of feeding raw meat to my anarchist readers and stuff like that, running with that, you know, sort of hardcore militant line. And what I was sort of forced to do upon seeing people engage in this activity here in New Hampshire was realize, like, okay, I'm actually factually incorrect here because there are people who are – uh, you know, making uh, positive change in New Hampshire through the political system. The, the people who are either free staters or uh, friendly to free staters, liberty-minded people, uh, make up approximately 20% of the legislature here. So we are literally in a position where uh, Republicans and Democrats cannot get a bill passed uh, without the support of libertarians. Right? So what we actually have here, I mean, there's a there's a bill. Uh, uh, passed the Senate recently to repeal the uh, requirement for a concealed carry permit. I've been going to uh, hearings before the uh, the general court, the, the uh, House of Representatives here, uh, testifying before the House of Representatives about things like um, uh, removing Bitcoin from the banking regulations, things like uh, uh, extending the uh, length of uh, vehicle inspections, and all sorts of things that really do actually reduce the influence of the state in our lives. And when I uh, was uh, met with seeing other people do those things and actually make those differences and, and these uh, changes actually taking effect. Uh, I was just sort of forced to reanalyze my position and say, well, I'm, I'm just actually incorrect. If I've said that you can't make positive change through participation in the political system and I see people making change in the political system, well, I'm wrong and I've got to change my position. Right on. Um, that, that seems perfectly logical to me and and also a I think, and, and I touched on this a little bit a second ago, but um, I don't know if you remember, but I live next door in Vermont, and um, I think that that sort of the unique unique characteristics of both you, New Hampshire and Vermont, um, and I, I've seen you point this out in several times in different articles, um, gives us sort of a unique accessibility to our political system. And uh, um, uh, a sort of a uh, a weight 
that um, people in other states that are more populous or more saturated in population in, in voting districts um, don't have? Um, do you feel like, you know, you have a little more uh, big fish, small pond, um, you know, type voice? And uh, do you think that, that um, being active in one's uh, state or municipal um, uh, system can uh, carry over to other other states that aren't as fortunate as ours that aren't fucking chock full of people. Well, I don't know that. Uh, I I would not go so far as to say that it can extend to uh, other jurisdictions. I know just from my experience in New York, one of the reasons that I had given up on uh, participation in the political system in the first place was because it, it really was an impossible New York. These bureaucrats would basically come out and, and speak to your organization when they were trying to get volunteers and raise money, and then after they got what they needed from you, they'd go back off into their ivory fucking towers, and there was no hope of getting these people to do anything positive. So in New York, I come from a place where the Republican Party wants to take your guns and raise your taxes. So it was a situation that, you know, there it truly was a pointless and, and, and ridiculous exercise. Uh, I don't know what it's like in, in Vermont, uh, but, you know, I'll take your word for it that it's more acceptable than it was in New York. I know in New Hampshire it's a really unique thing to me. So if it's possible yeah, to I do mean, in other places, I'm not sure. But I, I, to me, New Hampshire seems like a very unique situation. Uh, yes. I mean, I think for all the similarities that Vermont and New, and New Hampshire have, um, um, there are – the big difference is that, that we um, in Vermont do sort of suffer a little more at the, at the heavy hand of uh, – of government interference um, than you guys do in in New Hampshire, at, at least as far as taxation, um, not not so much on on you know social or cultural issues. Um, and I don't want to leave. Uh, we have uh, another one of uh, my radio, my Revolution Radio family members on uh, on the line with a JVAB. I don't want to leave him out of the conversation because um, I know Jay can bring a unique perspective. Um, to to this uh, conversation, um, uh, as far as I can gather, he lives in New York, um, and the political system is indeed um, bogged down um, with people like Hillary Clinton and Mario Cuomo and nepotism and uh, um, inter backroom dealings. Um, as all as all political systems, I think uh, are, but but more so in New York than anywhere else, perhaps. Um, so Jay, if you have anything to say, please feel free to uh, um, to speak up. Um, Chris, uh, can we talk about the Libertarian Party for a little bit? Everybody, you know, these days, um, here's the Libertarian Party, and I think they make uh, uh, sort of the immediate uh, neural jump to Ron Paul. Um, and uh, um, but looking into it a little bit more, um, um, I, I you know I was I, I first of all I was in, interested to uh, learn that the Libertarian Party was formed in 1971. Their first and correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, but their first uh, uh, the first person that they got on um, on a ballot was a woman. Um, and, and I believe that was in 1979. Um, and the motto of the Libertarian Party was, "There's no such th uh, no such thing as a free lunch." 
Um, is that sort of still uh, the central thesis of, of the Libertarian Party? Um, I, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm sure a lot of libertarians do say there's no such thing as a free lunch. I'm not sure it's an official slogan. Uh, it, it may have been at one time. I was unfamiliar with the uh, the, the tidbit about the, the woman being the first one on the ballot in 79. That's actually some interesting information that I was not personally aware of. Well, don't take but, my um, word for it because I'm easily confused. Double check your facts, but I think that I think she was. <laughs> well, you know, in in any case, I mean, the the Libertarian Party would certainly tell you that there's no such thing as a free lunch. I think a, a lot of the problems that we have in the in the political system right now is that the majority of people participating in that system do think that the government's capable of providing people with free stuff, right? I mean, you you uh, you know, I I did run for Congress in 2010, and this is when the whole Obamacare debate was first coming up, right? So I was running against a guy. Uh, you know, wanted to give everybody free health care. I mean, it's like you're running against Santa Claus, right? So it's uh, it's it's a, it's a it's a narrative that certainly needs to be combated. That people have to understand that, for one, there's no such thing as free, uh, and and it doesn't matter who's telling you that it's free. It's getting paid for in some way or another, and especially when it comes to the state, uh, it's it's a it's an institution that literally doesn't have anything. It doesn't produce anything. And so uh, if people think that they're going to get a free lunch or a free uh, uh, operation or a free anything, and they're going to get it from the state, well, the state can't give you anything without taking it from somebody else. And when it takes it from somebody else, not only does it, it doesn't even do it efficiently. It takes it from somebody else, and then it puts it through a bureaucracy where it's got to pay a whole bunch of salaries, which are basically welfare programs in and of themselves, uh, and and. You know, and it and it redistributes it in the, the least efficient way possible. So, uh, even if you were a fan of redistribution, you'd have to look at this uh, institution. They was not very good at it. Yeah, I, I mean, I've always looked at there's no such thing as a free lunch as more of a, a law of physics um, than than a, a slogan, um, right? Like uh, something has to be taken from somewhere else in order to uh, to uh, put it somewhere else. Um, that that the law of conservation in a nutshell, essentially. Um, and as far as uh, um, within you know within the the construct of culture and and society, um, it, it rings even more true. You you can't manufacture um, money or uh, resources um, to give to one group um, from another without uh, extracting energy. Um, I think it's a pretty pragmatic, uh, a pretty pragmatic saying. Um, and, and one of those, go ahead, out. Um, I was, you know, when I think about like the the government, I always think it's always the mob that uh, suffices itself with its own legitimacy of being uh, some sort of protector or whatever the fuck it is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they certainly they go out and they tell you that they're gonna they're gonna keep you safe and and you know maintain order in the world. And you know what I've remarked at is that they haven't done a very good job of that at all. I mean, people are dropping blank flies. There's absolute chaos in the world, and people are still freaking out about speed limits. I mean, you've got a situation where uh, the, the, these uh, the, this government reacted to a situation where you know three thousand people were. Uh, you know, tragically uh, murdered uh, on on 9/11, and what they did was run out and start a war 
that has uh, has killed uh, more people than uh, died in uh, far more Americans than it died at events. A massive number of foreign casualties to the point that we can't even uh, keep track of them. And of course, we, we now have a situation in the United States where, uh, you know, outside of the, the war casualties themselves, there's a massive ramp up of the security state has resulted in a situation where police have killed more Americans uh, since 9-11 than died on 9-11. So, you know, you're, you're literally in a position where you're more likely to be killed by a cop than a terrorist. And these people are going to tell us that we are uh, that they are our protectors and providers. And the fact of the matter is, is that they are our uh, oppressors, our killers and our parasites. Exactly. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautifully said. Indeed. Um, yeah, it, it really does. uh um surprise me that that sort of the platform um of every uh um you know administration whether congressional um or or, or every running uh person um running for congress or senate um you know or or um uh, being considered for um an appointment um in the obama administration um takes up this this uh, uh, security um, issue is if um, the record is impeccable. Um, yeah, you let a high school kid and somebody with clear borderline bipolar schizophrenia bomb the Boston Marathon. And I know that will bring up a bevy of questions in its own right um, in this crowd. Did they bomb it? Did they not? Um, but you know, from a from from a uh, from strictly a security standpoint, if that's going to be the the platform on which you stand, your record better not be in, your better your record better be impeccable. Um, yeah, certainly. I mean, you talk about an incident like the Boston Marathon bombing, and you know what I say about every basically every terrorist attack is I don't I don't know what happened, right? I mean, it, do I? I don't think it's above. I don't think like the government is somehow above. Uh, you know, going out and murdering its own citizens in order to gain political power. Governments have done that throughout the course of human history, but I don't, you know, necessarily have any evidence to suggest that uh, it's actually, you know, happened that way. Uh, but I would say that, you know, it's it's obviously not the craziest. If, if, if I found out the evidence tomorrow, it wouldn't surprise me, you know, in, in the slightest that, that something like that had occurred. And, uh, you know, even whether they did or they didn't, or, you know, one of two things happened. Either it was, you know, perpetuated by the United States federal government or the United States federal government allowed it to happen. Uh, and it's a thing that's, you know, very similar to the issue of, like, the war on drugs. I mean, they, they say they're going to they're gonna keep drugs out of the country. They can't keep drugs out of their prisons. Well, you can't secure the Boston Marathon while there's a terrorist drill going on and you've got police everywhere. I mean, what do you think you're going to – what kind of security state apparatus – you people think that you're going to create to prevent this from happening when you've done every stupid, dirty, filthy trick in the book and you still can't prevent, uh, you know, a 19-year-old boy with a crockpot from, from blowing up the Boston Marathon. God, you said that better than I did, Christopher. But, yeah, exactly. And not only that, but we do know that the FBI, um, you know, was tracking them, was on, on their tail, at least the older brothers. He was, you know, he was definitely getting into some heavy shit. Um, and, uh, tr you know, we're, we're pretty much tracking him, um, right up until, uh, the critical, until the critical moment. Um, you know, and, yeah, and I mean, the thing, the thing, the, the pattern with government and everything that it does is it uses, it uses its own, uh, failures as, you know, a, a reason to, 
uh, to seize more power. And it, and it does this with everything from, from terrorism to the economy to, to you name it. And so, you know, you, 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 like we just uh, illustrated the thing with the, with the marathon, and then there's uh, any, any, number of other, uh, any number of other examples are, are easy uh, to, to point out. With the economy, for example, they'll say, hey, you know, we're going to, We've got to we've got to save the economy, and then they do, then you know, inflation and unemployment and all sorts of terrible things happen, and people are miserable, and thus you know the excuse that becomes the excuse to do the next crazy thing, you know, uh, in in the in an economy. So it's 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 the perpetuation of their own power has basically become their their sole and entire purpose. And, and as you said, I mean. This- this is, uh, I mean, this is like the pattern, right? This isn't the exception um, with the FBI and and our uh, Department of uh, Homeland Security um, that that this has uh, actually happened uh, many times, or or at least several. Let's say several where um, they've been on the tail of somebody. Um, you know, you go to Rich, Rich, uh, Richard Reed, the shoe bomber, um, to uh, uh, the New Year's Eve attempted bombing um, uh, that uh, was foiled by a, a citizen who saw a bomb in the back of a Jeep um, and, and may very well have um, detonated if, uh, if that citizen, not a law enforcement officer, had not called in something suspicious and the local PD arrived um, and checked it out and did the appropriate thing. Um, so this is kind of a, a pattern by our government that stands on the platform of keeping us safe. What a crock of shit! Oh yeah, and and understand something. I mean, it's not it's not it's not unique to our government. I mean, this is the this is the pattern of the institution as it stands throughout the entire history of mankind in all in all corners of the globe. So, uh, you know, don't don't feel bad, America. It's not <laughs> you're not unique in any way. I think you know in in America. They certainly have a lot more resources, so they're a lot more active. I mean, that's what having the you know the world reserve currency and the central bank will do to you. Uh, you know that they basically have just uh, uh, massive uh, uh, access to to money that is unfathomable to most of the world, and thus they uh, you know they they are certainly more active than than other governments are uh, elsewhere in the world, and and you know certainly more than have had opportunity to in the in the earlier history of mankind, but the, the institution of the state has always been uh, a, a system uh, predicated on irresponsibility and failure and, and using that irresponsibility and failure to, to, uh, to justify the, the further violence and oppression that the institution carries out. It's something that it does kind of baffle me when I look at it now, you know, I say, I look at myself, I, I look at this stuff and I'm like, how doesn't anybody see this pattern? But, you know, for, for me personally, I didn't, figure this out until, you know, I didn't even begin to figure this out until like 2009. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be 35 years old. So, uh, it's, it's, a, it's, I, I don't know. I don't know how it is that, uh, we, we don't spot this. It seems so obvious to me now, but of course, you know, it didn't always. Yeah. I mean, well, I think, I think that's like, uh, a big question that I ask myself a lot. Like how are people not, not seeing like the 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 repetition and the cycle of history um because that 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 cycle is getting shorter every time um you know the the point between uh the top of the circle um and the bottom of the circle um that that 
you know, half circumference is getting shorter um, between cycles and sort of the same tricks and, 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 uh, uh, games are being, are being perpetrated against, you know, us working stiffs, um, uh, in, in, uh, shorter durations of time. And yet, and yet we still seem to fall for it, uh, time and time again. Yeah. And um, you know, what's, what's frightening to me too is, I mean, we're, we're basically living in a time now where, where people who were just children on September 11th of 2001, uh, are now of voting age, right? These are the young adults of the society who are now, you know, uh, mobbing the universities and, and, and flooding themselves into voting booths. I mean, these people have grown up uh, entirely under the security state apparatus. They don't know anything else. They've grown up uh, essentially in war. And so I, it's, it's a frightening thing to think that, you know, they've, it, we, we, are, we are literally living in a, at a point in history where a generation has grown up during wartime. And I'm terrified to think of, uh, you know, what the, what the consequences of that might be uh, when we are living in a society where nobody remembers what peacetime is like. Well, it's interesting you bring that up. Um, you know, a lot of my colleagues... Um, colleagues a lot of my friends on on the internet here um are are younger than i am i'm i'm 42 and um had some of them have spent a majority in their of their lives uh dalek um included um sort of under um under this security apparatus um and one thing that i see uh sort of outside looking in that's clear as day is that it's yet another really effective trick to divide and conquer um, and push people to uh, uh, one side of a spectrum or the other. Um, you know, either, you know, total privacy um, and I will fucking defend it to the grave, um, which happens to be sort of my stance, Um you know, or or the other side where if I'm not doing anything wrong, I don't have anything to hide, which is, you know, that's psychologically just a fallacy and ignorant and stupid. Um, but, the, you know, that's only my opinion. Um, well, you know, to the, uh, to the divide and conquer thing, I think that they mean to do the exact opposite. I mean, governments exist not to, not to divide and conquer, but really to unite and exterminate. I mean, the, what, what, the, what the wartime does... No, you, you mean know, consolidate and, and exterminate. But the division yeah, I, is always requisite for the consolidation. I'm not, I'm not sure that that's entirely true. I think the government would far prefer that everybody was united behind them, right? The, the government would prefer that everybody just wanted uh, the same thing. That's, that's sort of like the whole entire idea that, that central economic planning and, and the security state apparatus really requires. What they've done is they've created a situation where the division is so limited that it is insignificant, right? You could be a Republican or a Democrat. You could think the tax, top tax rate should be 35% or you could think it should be 36%. I mean, there's really not a great deal of division in the in the in the country in large part people are very much united again uh, behind the concepts of government and i think that they've done that quite intentionally that there's there's a very rigorous debate going on over very meaningless subjects and so uh it it seems to be that uh the the idea here has been to get people uh, uh united on either side of a completely pointless argument. And it's been a remarkably successful thing. You think of the most repressive regimes in history uh, did not even allow 
there to be two political parties, right? Uh, you know, the, the all power to the Soviets. You know, every, you know the communist countries that basically want to have the the communist party in complete control, the Nazis and whatnot, right? So, you know, they don't they don't want a vision. They want everybody united, and that's sort of the whole entire uh, uh, point about it. I think that you know, if you had everybody competing for their own best interests, if you had everybody clamoring uh, to to uh, you know have what they wanted instead of making some grand compromise in in an election. Uh, I don't think the, the state could stand as an institution. I th- I think we're talking about two layers of division, and because um, because I don't disagree with what you're saying as as, as far as um, they almost they almost have uh, you know the circle you know it, they almost have this the the two side quote unquote sides coming full circle um, where where there's enough to agree upon. Um, where hurting and uh, directing is possible, um, I think that that as far as uh, the system or the state, um, uh, you know, hoping or uh, thinking that they can get um, a consensus was given up uh, during Pax Romana, um, the second political po- party being Christianity. Um, and, uh, you know, since then... We've gone to sort of two layers of uh, of homogeny and uh, the state making everything the same um, or ubiquitous and boring and bland and gray, um, but yet um, really pushing um, these sort of uh, uh, cultural, um, economic, um, anthropological differences like skin color and religion and uh, rich and poor. Um, and so in some sense, we all feel a certain um, a certain uh, sameness um, because so many of us um, really are uh, helpless at the, at the hand of the state. And that's a straight talk, right? You got to get up, you got to go to work, fucking you got to pay your bills. You've said yourself... You know, like, I can't do this, which I think is your important work, meaning your media, you're becoming more involved. Um, uh, As far as things stand right now today, without um, uh, the acknowledgement and um, the backing of the system, right? The money to pay for the equipment, to pay for the cable, to pay for the broadband, et cetera, et cetera. you know, and and this brings me, um, you know, to another question about the Libertarian Party. Um, when when Dalek and I concentrate enough to have a guest, I do my homework, um, and uh, um, you know, I, it's Ron Paul um, in the eighties. Um, boy, he said a lot of stuff that sounds a lot to me in my own head um, that resembles anarchy. Um, and uh, I hadn't seen that sign of him. Um, it, but is Ron Paul still sort of uh, synonymous with the Libertarian Party? I would I would not say that he is synonymous with it. Uh, I, I'd, I'd go so far as to say... Um, not no no I, I don't I don't think that that's a that's an accurate assessment at all. So the Libertarian Party, um, 
is, of course, you know, Ron Paul later ran as a Republican multiple times. He was elected as a as a Republican to the United States House of Representatives and, and ran twice for, for president as a as a Republican Party candidate. And uh, there's a lot of uh, there, there's a, no shortage of dissent in the Libertarian Party about Ron Paul. There was a thing not very long ago that. Uh, the Libertarian National Libertarian Party's Facebook page actually upset a bunch of people because outright libertarians, which is like an LGBT group, uh, had actually posted a, a, a something of a backhanded uh, insult towards Dr. Paul. Uh, so a lot of people would uh, disagree with that. Now, I personally think that Dr. Paul's a great guy. I really appreciate the uh, the, the efforts that that he has uh, put towards the cause of liberty over the course of the last 40 plus years. I think he's an extraordinarily important uh, individual who has done more for the cause of liberty than most people could possibly hope to do in their lifetimes. But the, the Libertarian Party, uh, I'm not sure that you could call the Libertarian Party necessarily, uh, it, it'd be difficult to put them in a corner. Let me just put it that way. There's a, there's a very wide range of ideas going on in that group. And so, uh, and from state to state, you'll see you know massive differences in platforms and uh, and activity and membership and and whatnot. So, I'm, I'm not sure that you could say that anybody is synonymous with the Libertarian Party. True. But so it's, um, it's I mean if I mean in that it's liquid then it's it it, it it's uh, I mean it's water. That, that's what a party has to be. Um, I think you know, I would days. prefer that it wasn't liquid. I would prefer that it was, you know, a very philosophically sound, you know, grounded in a very principled stance sort of thing. But, I mean, it's it's an institution, and this is part of the complaints that people have had about it, is that it's not, uh, as an institution, it's not necessarily grounded in anything. And I'd sort of prefer that it was, right? So, I mean, my getting involved in the Libertarian Party is sort of hoping to, uh, you know, put out a very radical anti-state message, whereas, uh, you know, uh, there's a great deal of the whole a uh, limited government thing goes on with them. There's any number of people who want to run because they have a single issue that, you know, I'm a, you know, you might have a, a, a person who's a real far left guy who just wants to legalize marijuana, but he's got a high enough profile. So the libertarian puts them on the ballot just to, you know, gain, gain attention for their, for their party. So, and I'm not you know, what terribly fond of that, but at the same time, it's a, it's a, it's a deliberative body with rules, right? So, if you, uh, this is one of the things I was talking about with Wes Benedict the other day, and Wes actually disagreed with me on. I think one of the one of the very useful things about the Libertarian Party is that basically you have rules of order, you have a system by which to resolve disputes. Whereas I think in most uh, most most Libertarian organizations, it's very difficult to organize people. It's very difficult to get an institution to act because once there is disagreement within the group. Uh, which there almost always is, there's no way to sort of resolve the dispute. Whereas I, I find in a libertarian party, uh, you have rules of order and there's a, there's a process by which uh, uh, issues are handled in the Institution Act. Uh, that's completely and very true. Now, um, what I would like to say, rather than within liquid, I, I would consider that you know I would uh, I would put it within a, a matter of you know style, just like what Thomas Jefferson said. Uh, I think it was in a matter of style, uh, move uh, like with the water, move with the streams, but in a matter of principle. Stand hard as a rock, and I think what the Libertarian Party really does need to do is really stand really solid. 
Yeah, I would like them. I would like them to do that. It's it's impossible to expect them to, however, because like I said, it's it's basically a system where there's there's a very low bar for entry, and once you have enough people inside of your little club, you can vote for the institution to do anything. And this is one of the legitimate criticisms of the Libertarian Party is that basically the only reason that it's not completely taken over is because it has nothing to offer. If Republicans and Democrats wanted to take over the Libertarian Party, you know, next month, they they're more than capable of doing that. As soon as the Libertarian Party you know, starts to gain a little bit of power, you're going to see all sorts of people, you know, trying to, uh, you know, to get in on that. But for me personally, I I find it. How are you going to stop that? I'm not sure that I am, but what I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure that I am going to stop it. But what I would say is, so, you know, in my own experience, the Libertarian Party is one of the first groups that I joined, one of the first meetings that I attended. If I'm there when people come to that group, if I'm there. This is Shin Duo, and Shin, welcome to the show, my brother. Welcome aboard, He's my Jim. favorite so, hobo. Okay. Um, you know, in, in my own experience, it was one of the first institutions that I got involved with. So I imagine that I'm not the only one who finds himself in that position. So what I would like is for uh, uh, to to be there when new people come into the group and, you know, and to influence them and to, you know, sort of have a, a say in this uh, in this body that, uh, you know, for better or for worse, is a, is, a, is recognized as an institution. And if it uh, if it does get to a point where basically it's mobbed and taken over, well, then, you know, it's 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 not the it's not the greatest of losses, frankly. Right. I mean, you can you can do any number of things. But for now, it's a it's a recognizable institution. It's a place where new libertarians will show up. I think it's an effective re- recruiting tool. It's a great way to spread a message at the very least. And, you know, and hey, if we manage to get a couple of libertarians elected in the process, I can think of worse outcomes than that. Right. Well, yeah, exactly. And and, uh, da, you know, Dalek's in, in that chat room on your show, too, and a, a kooky bunch of guys as well, um, uh, and uh, a great chat room, actually, really lively. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I noticed sort of uh, this first went pu- public that you were um, going to, you know, be part of a party. Um that there was a lot, of, you know, there was some blowback from your fans. Um, and Chris writes a, gr- a great article on uh, on on sort of uh, fame and politics and and how they're all uh, uh, meshed together. Um, it's available on his blog, and I'll post it in the chat. But um, you know how some of your avid av- avid guys in the chat room and stuff were. Um, I'll never vote. You know, um, I, you know, I, I, I think that that this is a big mistake, and so on and so forth. Um, and um, yet, it's hard to uh, argue with, um, um, with with you know, doing something is better than nothing. Logic, right? Like, uh, um, and and you and I have discussed before that that going toe to toe with uh, with with uh, jackboot thugs. Uh, dressed like uh, state-of-the-art soldiers isn't really a um, uh, it's not a realistic uh, um, contest um, well I would like to see a day where it is a realistic contest it's unfortunate that it you know right now I mean to stand up against the forces of the state and open rebellion would get us all killed right so I mean you know I would I would very much like for for a day to come where uh, you know 
is uh, standing up against your your oppressor were were a thing that would make a lot of sense. So right now, that's not the case. And for all of my best efforts, I mean, look, I I you know left my friends and family and pets and career behind. I moved to New Hampshire and basically, uh, you know, d- dedicated myself to to doing what I'm doing uh, all of the time. This is what my life revolves around, and it's extraordinarily difficult to get people to do even that. Right? It's extraordinarily difficult to get people to geographically concentrate in a place. There are people who tell me that they would love to move here, except that it's too cold in the wintertime. So if somebody says to me that they're willing to lay down their life on a battlefield, but they're unwilling to stick out a winter in New Hampshire, then I'm, uh, it's very difficult for me to take them seriously, and that's, and that's unfortunate. I'm hoping um, – you know, I don't. I do not realistically predict that uh, you know politics are going to solve our problems. They might, you know, uh, uh, put things off for for some period of time. They they might uh, reduce some of the burden uh, of the state in our lives, and I think that that's uh, wonderful. I, I do. You know, I still believe that it's going to require uh, a, a greater philosophical awakening. I do believe that there will be violent clashes between free men and, and agents of the state, but. Uh, you know, it seems to me like that's a long ways off, and, and until a lot more people uh, start seeing things that way, the best thing that we can hope for is to get a, a tax lowered or a law repealed from time to time. Right on. And and again, I mean, you know, doing do, being what you just said about uh, our chances with battling, uh, you know, the state toe-to-toe, which I completely agree with. I think that it's a, a fool's errand. Um um, getting involved, um, and this—I don't—I and and this may be optimistic, um, and uh, but I certainly hope it's true that I, I don't see uh, the, the the parameters um, that sort of uh, shape the decisions of other politicians. Um, you know, being able to kind of uh, box you in, and I, I hope that you know, I hope that stays true. Dalek, about like parties and let's the Libertarian Party in particular, um, you know, being connected as it is historically with Ron Paul and um, whether it's true or not is is not for me to say, but um, the Libertarian Party as far as demographically, uh, you know, it's a lot of white guys. Um, is, Is it possible to have a party these days, a political party, um, uh, that resembles anything um, uh, like uh, inclusion, um, or, or are all political parties by nature exclusionary, um, and uh, um, uh, do they all breed xenophobia? Like you know, um, uh, you know, if the if the queer contingency um, of New Hampshire, you know, decided to join. Um, the Libertarian Party or uh, or a Muslim, um, you know, within the Libertarian Party in New Hampshire, would that be, would that be, uh, you know, would you guys be at the bar afterwards sort of being like, holy shit, that was bizarre? Um, well, no, I wouldn't really think so because, I mean, there, there have been, you know, black libertarians. I know many people um, within other vicinities. I uh, uh, I think it was Davi Barker uh, who does uh, Shiny Badges and um, Know Your Meme. Uh, he's a good guy, and also he's Muslim. Right on. And and so, I mean, and, and obviously you kind of answered the other part of the question, and it, it, but it is like I think 
so to to make let's say to make the uh libertarian party viable outside of um um sort of the small con- confines in which uh and by the way you know the libertarian party was founded in Colorado Alex Yes, I knew that. It's it's amazing. I think it's so nice that uh, that you know it actually happened here in Colorado. Now, if uh, they could actually live up to uh, what happened and actually be more of a predominant state where libertarians are, I would like that. Well, I, I think it's interesting. There's something about living in a state um, as beautiful as Colorado uh, and Vermont and New Hampshire. Um, us during certain times of the year more than others um, that has a sort of sedating a sedating quality on its uh, population where it's like, okay, you know, if uh, if you have a roof over your head, things aren't so bad um, because uh, we still get to appreciate the uh, the physical beauty of, of what the world is and, and all that good stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah, when I was researching... Um, a little bit about about the Libertarian Party and saw that it was founded in Colorado. I gave you a fucking a a, a cheer, a salute, so to speak. Um, salute. So, so Chris, what like what, I I've heard murmurings that you may run officially for a New Hampshire seat in the legislature or something like that. Are there any any uh, plans? For that, there, there's, there are certainly no plans for that. Uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a pretty controversial figure, generally. I, I think me, you know, actually running for office would be a pretty unlikely thing. Uh, I, if I, you know, if I, if I thought for one second that I might be able to do something positive by it, I, I wouldn't mind putting myself out there that way. But it's not, uh, it's certainly not a plan at this point. Okay. Right on. Well, I mean, I think that that. Uh, you know, and and I I am um, I mean I I it's interesting when I was a business owner I I sort of had to be de facto um, involved in in my in my small town politics um, and uh, you know sat on our little chamber of commerce and everything and it was all very quaint and uh, charming and bucolic. Um, um, and you know it's interesting. I do put a big distinction distinction between uh, New Hampshire, Vermont, um, and and I just say those two states because I don't really know any others like it. Although there very well may be um, that do sort of have uh, this advantage of the cold winter, kind of keeping the pussies out, um, and uh, so population stays down and uh you know it, it, it certainly keeps a certain uh type of character <laughs> um around and uh i think all to the benefit of um at, at least the the local political system um well let me i have to Dalek, do you have any quick questions? I have to actually refer back to my my little list of questions here cuz i have like a million for chris um, do you still consider yourself an anarchist? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the state is not a useful institution, gentlemen. I don't, I don't have any use for it personally. The only reason I'm interacting with it uh, is to get it off of my back. I, I don't, uh, I don't think the state uh, has anything positive 
that it can do for me. I don't think that it's a necessary institution. I'm, I'm 100% confident that there's nothing the state does that the market can't do better. And so uh, when I interact with the state, it is uh, entirely an exercise uh, to convince the legislature of the same thing. True. Right it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like uh, uh, just kind of persuading the terrorist uh, within our own country. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean it's, it's like this. I mean, you, you think about look, just think about the legislature as a, as an institution no different than the Department of Motor Vehicle guys. So, like the Department of Motor Vehicle, most of us probably have driver's licenses. We have license plates. We have these sorts of things, right? We're not we're not terribly happy about it, but we'd rather have license plates on our car than be getting pulled over every time we leave the house. And so. I go to the Department of Motor Vehicle, and I don't even ask the lady at the at the counter to let me off. I just go do what she tells me to do, right? Because I just know how this is going to go. So if I go if I go to the legislature or I participate in a campaign to put somebody in the legislature, all I'm really doing is putting somebody in there to say, "Hey, I'd rather not go to the DMV." You know, I'm 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 interacting with them no different than I'm interacting with, uh, you know, the Department of Motor Vehicles or the tax assessor or any of the, the people that we have no choice but to deal with in the government every single day. And what you notice if you start going down to your legislature and you do start testifying at hearings and stuff like that, the people who are testifying are usually people who are very interested in expanding the power of the state. It's important to have voices down there willing to say the opposite because if nobody who who hates the government, if nobody who doesn't believe in the power of the state, if nobody goes down there and says anything, then they'll just keep on doing this. The people who want to expand the power of the state, they're not going to stop doing this. They're going to keep wielding their influence, and somebody's got to combat them. Well, and let me, let me actually take this moment to point out that, that Vermont has uh, recently made a number of decisions um, that have uh, uh, far, far exceeded the acceptable reach of the state, um, in my opinion, including banning smoking on our public boulevard that's closed to traffic, Church Street, um, and uh, um, we there is some legislation um, being tossed around, some uh, you know some some uh, language about uh, making vaccines uh, mandatory. Um, now, I, I don't. I don't need to uh, um, even even state my my you know personal opinion on on either one of those matters um, uh, to uh, be pissed off um, at, at at that sort of extension of the state into uh, uh, you know the 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 public boulevard that my taxes help to pay for maintain our free general air, whether I choose to smoke or not, um, and then uh, not being a parent, but I imagine that if, um, um, you know, you were convinced that vaccines could uh, harm your, your child um, and were not allowed to bring them to school unless they were vaccinated, this would be a very, very contentious issue. Um, and uh, uh, quite frankly, it's alarmed me um, my wife holds a position um, that that keeps me a, a, a little muted um, um, in in I'm more outspoken in in uh, sort of the larger picture, but 
we're moving, and uh, within about three months, I'm going to start launching salvos against uh, this this fucking ridiculous. Um, and, and it's a pattern in Vermont, um, and it does. It, it, and I think what's a big thing what separates Vermont and uh, New Hampshire is um, this, uh, uh, you know, the tax thing. Um, uh, Vermont has um, has a mentality uh, uh, sort of more of entitlement than New Hampshire, um, where uh, the, the the politicians who um, are in Montpelier think that uh, uh, you know that that everything should come from nothing, which brings us back to sort of uh, free lunches. Well, yeah, I mean, I am, uh, I'm not intimately familiar with the, with the politics of Vermont, but I, I certainly know that you, you are surrounded by liberals and, uh, that's, uh, you know, it's, it's a funny thing to me that you actually have less restrictive gun control laws that we do. And yet you have a, basically a really like radical leftist government there. And I, and I find that a little bit, um, funny at times, but, uh, I'm sorry. Vermont is a state full of contradiction, without question. I mean, there is definitely sort of, uh, and I saw you go through this a little bit, sort of, you know, um, the old Vermonters versus uh, the mid-Atlantic transplants, um, and, yeah, the neoliberal Subaru driving, gray-haired, baby boomer, ex-hippie nightmares, um, you know, uh, versus uh, the redneck racist, and then, and then the normal people are stuck in the middle, like everything else. Yeah, certainly. I mean, that's sort of um, you know how how these things end up happening. Because I mean, you know, the, the, the people who are energetic in politics are usually people who are, you know are ideologically driven, right? And so the most people don't don't feel that way, right? Most people are like you know if they participate at all. Well, you know, most people are non-voters. So let's just realize that the the uh, the candidate who would get elected in every election uh, word and option is none of the above. Right. <laughs> Most people uh, just don't don't even want to be bothered with this. And so the, the people who are involved are ideologically driven. So you're going to, uh, you know, necessarily have this sort of a uh, uh, fight for the center, if you will. But the the fight for the center is simply to get their their support and their money. And then, uh, you know, Everybody, me included, will throw the center under the bus in order to accomplish our ideological agendas. You know, and like another, okay, here's another sort of paradoxical point about Vermont is we're the only state that's managed to keep Monsanto at bay. Um, you know, so and 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 this brings us back to kind of that full circle, um, perhaps planned or unplanned. Um, my opinion is unplanned. I don't think that state is really capable of planning um, anything. Um, they don't have the competence. But, you know, where, uh, you know, in the Tea Party, Monsanto is a fucking hot topic button issue, as as in the Libertarian Party, um, as with fucking, you know, righteous ex-hippie, Subaru-driving hippie types. Um well, you know the the Monsanto issue. I'm afraid, you know, gets really convoluted. I, I don't like the way that Vermont has sort of handled that that problem, which is, you know, a command and control 
you know, central economic uh, planning approach. It's it's unfortunate, I think. Uh, you know, the, the real issue that you have with Monsanto, and it never gets brought up, no matter who you talk to, uh, is intellectual property. The, the, the problem is the patent laws. And if, and if Monsanto couldn't go chase their DNA into some other farmer's field, uh, I would not care what they did with their stupid seeds, because uh, as soon as they can't chase the DNA around as it reproduces itself in, in the wild, uh, then, you know, you, you remove the uh, you remove a lot of the incentive to create that stuff in the first place. And, of course, if people do want it, if people like it, then let them get the product. But, I mean, you know, you create a situation where a guy can't save his own seed or sell his own seed, and, you know, then that's going to – that's, well, that's that your is, problem. It's, that is the issue with Monsanto, right? Uh, I mean, you know, we did talk about this the first time you came on the show, you know, that, that in some instances G, GEO crops may be, you know, necessary. Um, and there's plenty of – I mean, you know, Mendel did – genetic engineering. That's what Mendel's peas were. Um, I, I think it's the punitive um, and the litigation arm of Monsanto that really fucking drives everybody up the fucking wall um, who, who does read about, um, you know, the, the sort of the more complex layers of uh, G, GMOs and not just... Uh, um, the rhetoric and hype, you know, that genetically modified organisms will turn you into a, a reptilian or something like that. Um, but, but yeah, yeah but my I mean, understanding is the way that Vermont dealt with this was sort of they just banned the product, right? Well, I, wait, 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 and, and to to say dealt with is is uh, a little too. I mean, it's it. I mean, it's still in in court and still going back and forth and. Essentially, it's a war of attrition right now in 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 our judicial system, um, you know. But if uh, if you know, and oh, I, I'd like to, this is going to be a good segue. But if Bernie Sanders runs for president, um, Monsanto will get into Vermont for sure. Um, and and like you said, I mean, I have I, the only issue I have with Monsanto is the fact that they will chase their DNA into small farmers, medium farmers fields, and they will sue them and take their farms um, if they find their DNA in those fields, you know. Um, you know, heck, fucking, I, you know, I've said this, I, you know, in the impoverished world, people eat off pallets, um, you know, commodity food and sacks, um, there is the land to grow uh, healthy nutrient food, um, and and even in in areas that it suffered desertification, but but that doesn't serve the the economic system and, and empire, um, so that won't happen. Um, uh, you know, another another thing, and, and this could sound patronizing, but it, it's not, and I think it's actually a serious topic, uh, Chris, is, is health amongst, uh, you know, I'm 42, you're 35. How's your health? Uh, I guess it depends on our measuring stick. I mean, I haven't been to a doctor in upwards of a decade, so I don't I couldn't tell you, but... Yeah, but I, I yeah, feel pretty good. I actually, you know, lost like 45 pounds recently. I'm I uh I I stopped smoking a few years ago. I uh 
I have cut back a great deal on my drinking, and so you know I'm I'm much improved from where I was you know some period of time ago. But uh, you know, uh, for all I know, I could be riddled with cancer and have no concept. <laughs> right, it's, and it sounds a little bit like a flippant question, but it's really not. You know, um, because uh, yeah, I, I I would have no idea if I was about to drop dead of uh, bone marrow cancer at any moment, um, because I haven't been to a doctor. Uh, Oof, Jiminy Christmas, um, in a long while, um, and uh, none of my friends. And so I, I, I'm, I'm interested, uh, you know, I think that the, um, not too far down the road, um, uh, there is going to be a, a, a health epidemic amongst uh, um sort of heavy-jowled uh, uh, white men. Um, and, uh, and and the reason I say, and I'm being dead serious, um, and the reason I, you know, I say this um, is have sort of uh, absolute fantastical speculation, but also the notion um, uh, that a body needs to get acclimated um, to being under duress in order to... Um, uh, uh, survive under duress and um, it's been a minute since the white man has been under duress and yet I feel like now um, uh, there there is uh, some sort of larger world um, pressures um, that are starting to hit our specific demographic um, that could take like a serious health toll I I I don't know that the that the white man has found himself free from duress. I, I'm not I'm not entirely sure where that comes from. But I mean, you know, me personally, I, I you know started working on a landscaping truck when I was very young. I mean, there might be you know uh, better to do white people than me out there certainly, and and who have learned to be very comfortable. I I just no, personally can't it's relate more to that at all. Psychosomatic. It's more psychosomatic. Um, you know, certainly when I when I grew up, there was this, uh, a, a certain guarantee um, that I would um, I would uh, occupy a certain station in life, um, and that there wasn't a lot of threat uh, um, coming from any any sort of direction. Um, you know, oh, lucky you! I must have missed that bus. <laughs> well. I mean, I think it's relative, right? Like, um, you know, I mean, if you didn't, if you didn't grow up in Appalachia with a slack-jawed fucking dog um, and uh, a, a, you know, a, a moonshine still in a meth lab in the back in the backyard, then then you, you were pretty middle class if you're 35, like growing up. I mean, you know, my my experience has been, you know, again, and maybe maybe I'm I'm missing something here. You know, I I grew up uh, in a in a situation where I had to uh, scrape and fight for everything I got. I, I think that I probably I think there's more people, uh, more white people out there who would tell you that than not. And uh, I I've never uh, I, I've never seen this this sense of security just on the strength of being a a white male that so many people talk about. I, I think it's a I think it's a terrible myth that's been spread, uh, or maybe maybe it existed once upon a time. And like I said, I just missed the bus because uh, I was never given that impression. As a matter of fact, I, I think the situation that white people are in and have been in 
uh, for as long as I can remember, is that we're actually, you know, uh, sort of pushed to the back of a line. I mean, we live in, we have grown up in the age of affirmative action and, and, uh, in a situation where it's you're literally like considered a racist just because you're a white male that you're a you're because you're a man that you're a rapist and a and a and a and a, and a sexist. Uh, that's the that's the environment that I've been met with, and uh, you know if if it wasn't always like that, then goddamn, I was born in the wrong fucking time. I wish I could go back to those days. Well, I think you actually just kind of you brought up a lot, some of the duress that I'm speaking of, and um, and I was born on the cusp of this bus, right? Um, like I had one foot on and one foot off, and the bus driver was like, "Fuck you, I'm out." Right? Yeah. This is the, this is the American dream that that I'm referencing, right? Um, um, and, and certainly a dream that that is long long gone um but nonetheless um that dream has almost become a burden um and jesus i hate i i didn't mean to use that word because like the whole white man's burden thing and that's not that's not what i'm getting i'm actually getting at the opposite um the opposite end of it is that you know what you say about um uh being you know sort of being marginalized um because of a because of a lack of identity, because of political correctness, um, because of neoliberalism, because of uh, xenophobia, because of a fear of talking about uh, the differences, um, has become now um, a symptom of a mental illness instead of just um, um, you know a construct of thought and a way of growing up, um, and I think. And that is exactly what I mean when I think that it's going to have dire consequences on our health. So the fact you quit smoking, I think it's awesome. I need to quit smoking my damn self. Um, I've been I've been exercising, um, but I know you talk to a, a lot of cats our age, and I would I would encourage you to, uh, um, to you know to have them do the same, or we're going to all drop dead when like we're sixty. Yeah, I, I think it's. I do think it's important for people to uh, take control of their their bodies. I mean, it's something that you know. For a long time, personally, especially with the, with the weight loss of me, I, uh, I you know, I recently dropped like forty five pounds, and and there was a long period of time where I didn't think that that was something that was actually within my control. Right, I was getting fatter, and I'm just saying to myself, "Well, I'm getting older. This is normal." Uh, and well, you know, to a certain extent, it is, but. Once you take control of that, not only does it do wonders for your physical health, but it does a lot of good things for your mental health. And I think a lot of us will sort of get stuck in a dark place uh, looking at all these horrific things that are going on in the world and, and trying to do something about it and finding ourselves so so terribly frustrated with our inability to to change things in the in the at the rate that we would like them to change and it get you stuck in a dark place it'd be very depressing uh for me personally you know sort of taking control of my health did a lot for my uh for my mental state maybe uh look at the world a little bit better made me feel a little bit more in control of my own life so uh you know physically mentally uh it's it's an important thing that i i do think that everybody should do and uh you know especially once uh things get a little warmer out here and I can get outside again, I, I would like to uh, to talk more about fitness and that sort of thing. I do think it's very important. Yeah, I do. And for our minds as well. You know, uh, they go hand in hand. And the, uh, agreed, I've, I've been under sort of the, uh, uh, the, 
the blanket immunity of uh, of winter, but uh, come come spring, um, I, you know, I I plan to uh, do the same. And and like I said, I I didn't want want that to sound flippant because I do think it's an important thing. Absolutely. Um, um, one more thing I'd like to say, um, uh, for other people, like, I've always really wanted to know this. What was your, uh, your, va- uh, what was it, your vapor pen that you use, Chris? I use the, the model of the vaporizer that I use is an iCase SVD is the S, uh, Samuel Victor David, uh, is the, is the model that I'm using presently. Uh, prior to that, I had a Joytech EVIC. Uh, and uh, if you're if you're if you're a cigarette smoker, I, I strongly recommend that you just plain quit smoking. You don't pick up the electronic cigarette. But if you tried to do that uh, and you failed repeatedly, as I had, uh, the the electronic cigarette, the vaporizer, the personal vaporizer, is an excellent excellent uh, harm reduction tool, and it's and it's done wonders for me. And I can't recommend that product highly enough. If you if you've tried to quit smoking, if you are a non-smoker. I do not recommend that anybody pick up this device because it is, you know, still, you know, filling you up with a, 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 a addictive chemical that's not good for you. But it will take taxes, cancer, and emphysema out of your life, and I think that that's a huge, huge improvement. And and what Alex talking about is uh, on on Chris's show, and it's a great great segue. Um, and also, you should. I got a huge grin when you said you quit smoking several minutes ago. Um, I got a huge grin on my face because I knew what was in the vaporizer, um, which was actually on my list of uh, of questions. Um, so it's it's herb in the vaporizer, um, and on Chris's show, um, he no, it's talk- not. No, 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 no. I don't. I don't. I'm not into weed. Uh, it's I, I'm I'm using nicotine in the vaporizer. So when I said I quit smoking, I mean I literally quit uh, burning tobacco and inhaling it. But I'm still a nicotine addict. That's not uh, that's not THC that I'm sucking on. Okay, got you. Okay, good clarification. So that is, folks, that is not THC. That is the liquid form of nicotine. But you are right. You do cut out taxes, emphysema, and uh, all those additives and preservatives. Um, but uh, the other thing is, Chris keeps his piece right on his or one of his pieces right on his uh um right on his uh, uh desk during the show and it looks like a uh, 40 cal snub nose um what else are you shooting these days um i haven't been doing a great deal of shooting the the, the gun that you see on the desk it's a 38 caliber 38 special uh revolver it's a taurus and uh and and I carry that that's my everyday carry piece and I openly carry that in uh in New Hampshire or well when it's when I don't have a coat on it's openly carry but it's frequently concealed in the winter time because obviously uh you know it's uh it gets cold out here so uh but uh that's that's my everyday carry piece I also I, I do have a a 12 gauge shotgun that's that's kept near the bed and those are the only two guns that I actually presently have and I and I don't shoot them nearly frequently enough a pragmatic to the core. I love it. That's really all you need is a is a, a carry piece and a shotgun. I would uh, say I should I should really have a semi-automatic rifle. It's, it's <laughs> a, yeah, it's not a good thing that I don't have a semi-automatic rifle. I, I do need to I need, do need to get one of those. Uh, but you know my uh, financial situation has not been the best, and I've got you know to spend money on other things. But as soon as well, I get my my head above water, I I will be going down to Trader John's in Swansea and picking myself up. Uh, Probably an, an AK or an SKS or something. Well, the effect. beautiful thing about New Hampshire and Vermont, it's like why settle for a semi when you can just apply for a tax stamp and get a full automatic? 
You know, I um, like, I, know I mean, that there's I don't no... understand the whole thing about semi-automatics. You know what? My pistol shoots just as fast. It's just as deadly. I'm not going to shoot anybody farther than, you know, 50, 70 feet. Um, you know that that that's that's just statistics. Um, and uh, it's so why like why why something that you have to pull the trigger? Like I could see getting an AR-15 and putting a bump a bump. Uh, a bump butt on it and, and making it full or or getting a tax stamp and getting a full automatic. But it, if you're pulling the trigger, you're pulling the trigger. I can pull a shotgun trigger as fast as I can pull a semi-automatic trigger. Well, my my uh, my shotgun is a is a lever action. It, it, it you know it would uh, it, it there's an extra you know uh, mechanism in there that, that goes into uh, to to firing it. And my shotgun is not not a combat weapon at all. Maybe a hunting uh, weapon or you know a, a quick quickie home defense thing. If my uh, my thirty eight happens to be on the desk, then I can grab the shotgun from the bed and unload it into somebody who comes in here. But the uh, you know I I think a, a semi-automatic rifle is a, a certainly a more accurate weapon. My 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 handgun, my my thirty-eight caliber revolver is a it's a snub nose revolver. This is not a, a weapon that you, that you want to be uh, you know aiming at somebody who's any sort of distance away from you. So if I am, and also it only has five shots. So I would far prefer to have a, a, a rifle with a thirty-round magazine uh, with with some accuracy in it. If I'm going to be in a in a situation where I've got a a, a fight on my hands. Uh, you know, the, the revolver is my everyday carry. I, I got it specifically so that I could conceal it when I wanted to. Uh, I wanted a very small weapon, but that that sacrifices accuracy and uh, and firepower as I only have five shots. Plus, they're fun as shit. You know, I mean, I was I you know I was playing the the, the sort of the uh, uh, the safe. I mean, AR-15s or an AK, they're they're a hoot to take to the range and blast off. Um, and I did, I did go through a stage where I had a a, a few a few of them, um, but I am da- I'm down to a uh, to a Glock 19 and a Mossberg uh, pistol grip uh, breaching, completely like pornographic gun, uh, <laughs> you know type thing. Um, it's all for show and it's only built for one thing that would be killing people. Um, so it has no real application in in my. Uh, reality. I don't. I don't plan on killing anybody. But um, well, I hope you uh, never have any need to. <laughs> no, indeed. And you know, and unless unless enough of us pick up these pitchforks and uh, torches, um, you know, and and uh, um, and this is all hypothetical uh, for, for those LEOs out there listening. Um, but. Uh, you know, and it, that is feasible in Vermont. We could, and and New Hampshire, we could seal off the southern border. Canada, we could get on our side. We we know people in Canada. Uh, we could block off New Hampshire and Vermont and just usurp it. Well, I don't. I don't know that I would want to form a, a union between the state of Vermont and the state of New Hampshire. I, I probably. I, I I understand. As I understand it, Vermont has a. A pretty uh, a sizable secessionist movement, and I wish them all the best. Not only because I believe in secession, but I'd like to get them the fuck out of the United States Congress. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. Touche. We do, we do we do have a strong uh, secession movement, and and I did want to ask you about Bernie Sanders. Like from a political standpoint, um, I imagine you guys don't see eye to eye, but he he is a pretty good man as far as um, you know what what I 
from anecdotal evidence. Um, um, he seems, you know, he seems to be down for the people. Um, but there are, you know, there are uh, logical arguments against uh, against this sort of politics, and I, I, I'd like to. Hear, I mean, I bet you can mount a pretty good one. Well, look, I I do believe that a person's politics are a reflection of their moral character. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna spend your time in the in the United States uh, Congress or Senate and trying to uh, to advance policies that are violent and oppressive, which is what socialism is, uh, you're a bad guy. And I don't think that you can square that circle that you can turn around and be like, well, you know, yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a status tyrant who wants to take all your money away, but he's also a swell guy. I don't, I don't see that. Uh, I don't, I don't see that argument coming to any positive uh, uh, outcome. I mean, I can't, I can't imagine that coming to any fruition. Well, you, you know what I, I, I appreciate that candor, and I will fucking admit that, um, you know, that I I do say with Bernie, I am sort of uh, swept up a little bit with um, with uh, the juxtaposition that he presents um, uh, to the status quo um, in our government um, and his sort of disheveled, uh, 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 chaotic look um, is always endearing to, to me. Um, you know, um, but as far as like serious politics, um, if, you know, if he ran, if he ran outside of Vermont, um, um, and was out of the context of, um, you know, the people that I personally know that he's helped, uh, through job programs or, um, reasonable drug policy, um, you know, if he stepped out of the context of of that, I'm I'm not 100 percent sure. I know um, his deep down politics well enough um, to say I would automatically endorse him. I know um, that as the mayor of Burlington, um, he did a lot of great things, and uh, he did think some things that were that were pretty destructive, um, uh, and some would say reckless. Um, so no, I think I. I you know, I think uh, I, I don't think I have squared that circle um, if he steps onto a national stage. Um, and everything that I talk about is pretty much, um, you know, from an anecdotal, um, you know, narrative. Um, it's hard for me to experience something firsthand and then and then sort of step back and look look at it um, from from scale. Um, and, and separate the empirical from uh, from the actual. Um, well, I'd, I'd 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 encourage you to sort of you know try to think of things in economics terms. That's how I look at stuff, right? I mean, there's no shortage of things that the government could do to improve my life, right? Like I'm not a, a wealthy well-to-do guy. I'm in I'm in shit shape. I'm I'm begging for money on the internet on my website. I'm like, hey, I'm a I'm, I'm trying to be a blogger for a living. So like, I could absolutely go and say, hey, you know, New Hampshire, uh, hey, federal government. And give me all these, you know, varying benefits and whatnot, and and uh, you know, I could uh, pr- propose for all of these things to be increased, and in theory, I could benefit from all of those things, and I'd have all this anecdotal evidence that this is working out real well, right? So, but then I look at if I if I look at things from economics terms, I'm realizing that this is actually like cutting me off from from greater opportunity. This this is a situation that's going to prevent me from advancing in the society. It's going to prevent me from. Uh, 
you know, gaining a foothold and building wealth and, and, and becoming as powerful as I'm capable of being, it's, it's, a, it's actually a detriment because I, it, once I start to look at it uh, from an outside point of view, once I start to look at it from an economics perspective, you take a guy like Bernie Sanders, a guy, you know, or any leftist really at all, you're going to take a situation where somebody's going to, uh, you know, take, a, take a, what we perceive to be good stances on drugs, but then they're going to go and promote the welfare state. Drug legalization in the welfare state is just the, the perfect storm of economic chaos, right? You're going to have you're going to you're going to give uh, food stamps and money and housing to to people who are going to uh, uh, do drugs and waste their lives away. And uh, you know, I don't I don't think that that's you know a sound policy thing at all. That's actually like the destruction of the society. You want to you want to create a situation where uh, you know drug use is appealing and. People don't have to work for a living, and the and the state will murder their babies for them and subsidize their birth control. I mean, if you wanted to wipe out a species, this is how you do it. You, 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 you become the enabler. Yeah. And and that is the role of the state uh, in its current manifestation, right? It 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 is the ultimate enabler. Um, and not just on on sort of the the social umbrella um, standpoint. It, it's also the enabler of people uh, to continue hating other people. Um, it's the enabler of, uh, of of division between uh, classes. Um, you know, um, and, and I'm I'm you know I'm pretty clear about my my position on the state that that. Uh, um, I really have no problem as, it, as long as it doesn't impose itself on me, um, but yet the nature of the state uh, will impose itself on you inevitably, so therefore I have a problem with it. Um, you know, now what about like five years down the line? If you're, you know, if if you've, if you've made yourself, uh, you know, mentally available to... Um, to uh, this system and sort of uh, the freedom it provides, if it doesn't work out, um, you know, does that do you take that into consideration? Uh, could you could you be more specific? I'm not entirely sure I understand your question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be I'll I'll be very specific. Um, you know, there there um, there are lots of people who put their uh, their entire faith in the system that if they work hard and uh, apply, you know apply themselves and and sort of follow the rules of of commerce and free market enterprise, um, that in whatever endeavor they they um, uh, strike out on their own, on they'll be successful. But that's that's far from the from from the uh, from the truth. Um, and uh, you know. In my particular business, the restaurant business, I've seen plenty of people, um, you know, go in one side uh, being uh, laissez-faire, uh, uh, you know, sort of free market, let the let the best man win, and come out the other side, uh, sort of being like, wow, the whole fucking myth is a myth. It's not true. Um, you know, so there's always there's always the fear that the um, that the, the faith that you put into this system that that will reward you if you do A, B, and C doesn't come to fruition. And yeah, well, I mean, uh, the, the, the system that you live under now is not that system, right? So, I mean, if, 
if you're if you're talking about uh, you know the the world that we presently live in, when people start going into that and thinking that it's a free market, that I'm not surprised they come out feeling real disillusioned by it, right? The guy who wins now is the guy with the buddies in the legislature. The guy who wins now is the guy who is the right attorney. The guy who wins now is the guy who's good at filling out forms. And that's that's really a, a, you know a realm that exists completely outside of commerce. And so I'm not surprised if uh, you know people people go into that thinking that they're in a free market and they come out feeling real disillusioned. Uh, you know, in, if if there were a free market, and I found that the free market were actually a terrible system, and everything that I know about economics got proven wrong. Well, yeah, sure, I'd have to. I'd, I'd certainly have to change my position, but uh, you know, I'd have to. I'd have to see a free market fail first, and I, and I don't suspect that I'd be seeing that. We have a question from the chat room. Um, how is socialism violent and oppressive? By you know, by by nature, let you know, not going to examples, but on on paper, um, is it exclusively violent and oppressive? I mean, yes. I mean, look. I mean, ultimately, we're talking about socialism. We're talking about state ownership of the means of production. And there are people who try to spin off different crazy variations on this, and I don't think that they make a whole great deal of sense. If we're talking about state ownership of the means of production, which is the common definition of socialism, then we're necessarily talking about the state violently taking from people that which does not belong to them, right? That that, that which people have rightfully earned, and the state goes and takes it away and says, okay, now it's ours, and we're going to, you know, use this to the benefit of the people. Well, you know, the, the state obtains nothing without force and, and uh, threats of violence. So the, the entire institution of the state itself is, is uh, predicated on the, the monopoly on violence within a given geographic area. That they say, hey, we are uh, we have the legal authority to take from you without your consent, and if you resist us, we have the right to kill you. That's what the state is. So if we're talking about state ownership of the means of production, we're necessarily talking about a violent oppressive system. There's no two ways about it. Uh, let's just put this into perspective. Like uh, like Antichrist was saying, you know, uh, there is no such thing as free lunch. You know, it, it looks through an analytical perspective or uh, just a matter of physics that, you know, you have to basically, you know – if you want something, there is always supposed to be something that has to be taken out, whether it's money, whether it is um, uh, time and energy. It's just very much of those things. And when the, uh, when a community, quote-unquote, if a person within that community just says, okay, I'm just going to stop, I need a break, or I, you know, they're not uh, underperforming very well, they're going to use force and violence to pick that person up. Yeah, I mean, it, once once we once we cross that line, right? You know, if if it's not if if it's all voluntary consensual agreement, then what you know we you assign any label to that that you want. Generally, I tend to refer to this as capitalism and just being synonymous with free markets. Uh, this is where people just you know it, it, the the six of us you know live uh, you know near each other. Uh, and uh, we all have some land, and uh, on your land you have some fruit trees, and on my land I have some water, and uh, on on Dalek's land he has, uh, you know, some cattle, whatever. And rather than say, well, I need your, you know, rather well, than wait a minute, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I need water to survive, 
you have to give me your water, you say, well, I'll give you fruit and I'll give you meat and I'll give you water in return. I mean, these are, these are, it's trade, it's commerce. That's how, that's how peaceful interactions are carried out. Once we start saying, well, the society needs this and we're going to have this institution come and take it from you. Well, they're going to do it by force. It's necessarily a violent and oppressive system. Well, yeah, I mean, um, before we get into anything, uh, I just wanted to give out a, a paste to your, uh, your, website it's christophercantwell.com uh not only that uh you can also listen to some garbage podcast on youtube follow his uh follow his um uh subscribe to his uh youtube channel and whatnot um not only that uh your uh news aggregator rss rss feed or whatever it is uh freedom's floodgates uh so definitely check those things out um and uh you may continue thanks buddy yeah, and uh, you know what, Dalek? I'm going to go ahead and back up that endorsement um, because uh, since you introduced me to Chris, um, I have been a uh, I have an extremely short attention span, um, so I bounce around things a lot. But I have uh, um, been following uh, Chris's blog, um, and I'm going to post it in the chat. Uh, I'm pretty pretty fucking. Um, uh, God, I hate the word use the word religiously, but uh, uh, steadily, steadily. Let's say steadily, and uh, uh, it's a great it's a great blog. And his uh, his his podcasts go from hilarious to uh, um, to really poignant. Um, and uh, so, yes, do indeed if if you like uh, if you like keeping abreast of what the you know what the fuck is going on in uh, in the free mind? Uh, follow Christopher Cantwell um, at uh, Vote for Cantwell on Twitter and ChristopherCantwell.com on the tubes. Yeah, thanks, guys. Yeah, if you go to if you go to ChristopherCantwell.com, you can. I have links to all the social media stuff there. There's a there's a forum there, and I have the, uh, the news feed from as Dalek mentioned. I've got Freedom's Floodgates, which is basically a news aggregator that just is pulling RSS feeds from all over the internet. And I sort of sort of did this as sort of like a, a thing just to you know boost my AdSense ad stats and, and make a couple of bucks, but. For me, it's actually been become my primary source of news. I've got over a hundred different uh, libertarian-leaning websites and blogs and YouTube channels and that sort of thing, and it's just pulling them all in every half an hour. So, if you want to find out not only what I'm up to, but uh, you know all the latest uh, in, in terms of libertarian blogs and podcasts and news and and uh, YouTube videos, uh, freedomsfloodgates.com pulls all that stuff in, and, and uh, I think the, a lot of people would find it a very uh, valuable resource. Right yeah, on, my brother. Dalek, how are we looking on time? Uh, we are already in overtime, and you know what? I am so sorry that I had to lower your standards to go up to a BTR show, my friend. I'm so sorry, Chris. That's okay, buddy. I started off with uh, Blog Talk Radio. I actually, uh, I, I started, uh, I think it was in 2009 or early in 2010, I did a thing called uh, Welcome to the Real World was the name of the show, and I... And I did it on Blog Talk, and I had, like, the free account, and they only gave me, like, 30 minutes to do it, which was good because I was a talentless broadcaster, and I couldn't come up <laughs> with more than 30 minutes worth of shit to say. Uh, so I did that. And then uh, before I started doing some garbage podcasters a little while, that I actually went back to Blog Talk Radio. I paid them so that I could have a two-hour show, and that was a, a thing I called uh, Brink of Bedlam. 
and and I and I started off using the system and <clears throat> sort of ditched it after I went to co-host with uh, with Adam versus the man for a little while. I realized, you know, I, if I want to put together a production, I got to go get some equipment, and, you know, make something happen, and that's how that's how some garbage podcast began. But uh, I don't begrudge you using this system. I, I think it's a it's a great way to get started. It's a great way to just you know focus on the content, uh, and uh, you know don't don't feel uh, don't feel bad about it at all. But if you guys um, you know want to get more serious about it. You know, uh, looking to getting you know an audio mixer and uh, you know some other things to 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 put it together because I think that uh, you you might benefit from it. But for now, it's a great way to get started, guys. I don't I don't begrudge it at all. <laughs> yeah, it it is, and and uh, and we have an awesome community, um, you know, on here uh, that that uh, support each other, and uh, it's cool. I mean, BTR certainly has its shortcomings. Um, and uh, I like I like your format. I don't like the fact that it doesn't let me have diarrhea at the mouth via type. Um, it, if I make too many comments in a row, it it bans me for like thirty seconds. Um, no, but, I wasn't uh, aware of that. Um, you know, I I was hoping I I had set up and I'll put it back up. I had set up an IRC channel at some point, but I disabled it on my website because that was how the the hackers got a hold of my home IP address and hacked into my modem, so I disabled the the IRC, uh, the Internet Relay Chat, in order to prevent people from you know getting attacked. I've got to figure out a way to uh, to avoid that. Maybe I'll put that chat uh, you know under the under the YouTube video on the live page or something like that, and create a different uh, discussion for them. I think I'm also going to start broadcasting out on UStream again. I've got a few hundred followers there. And uh, so it might be uh, broadcast on both YouTube and Ustream, and who knows, perhaps Ustream might be a better uh, chat format. We'll definitely keep Dalek and I, you know, uh, up to speed. I mean, we'll be tuning in Fridays and, and uh, following the blog, but, uh, you know, we, we're we're on overtime, and, uh, I'm, you know, at a, at a different time I'll get in touch with you via um, your contact on, on the site about advertising or doing something fun like that. All right, excellent, guys. I, I've had a blast. I really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, and thank you so also, much, Chris. And also, uh, I love your flag, dude. But I don't know. Maybe mine is better. Maybe we could uh, kind of discuss that. I actually like mine. It's uh, the "Don't Tread on Me" flag, but uh, with some skull and bones and with the snake. So I like it. So oh, very nice. Yeah, this was actually given to me by uh, my co-host of Free Talk Live, Ian Freeman. Somebody had like uh, left it at his house, sort of the ANCAP "Don't Tread on Me" thing with the black and the yellow. Uh, and I and I uh, he had given it to me, and I actually had it up above my bed before. But if you you tune into previous episodes, which you used to see in the, behind me with like my clothes, the, the the room that I'm in in the apartment that I rent, I don't have a closet. So what I ended up doing was setting up like these. Uh, these uh, these uh, shelves with a with a bar across them that I was hanging my clothes from, and I originally had that behind me, and it looked like I was broadcasting out of a fucking closet. So I finally <laughs> did. Uh, I moved that I moved that uh, that clothes hanger across the room, and just decided to put that flag behind me to have something there. And hopefully, in the in the future, I can set up a, a little bit more of an elaborate uh, uh, studio environment. I broadcast out of my mudroom. There you go. I've been I've, I was I was delegated I'm, I smoke cigarettes. Uh, my wife did not. She detests them. Um, we've been together a long time. Um, so I was long time ago delegated to the mudroom as my smoking area when it reached below zero. Um, and then at some point, 
said, okay, you know what? If I'm going to be if I'm going to be marginalized out here as a cigarette smoker, then I'm just going to pimp it out. <laughs> there yes. you go, bud. I I, uh, I would uh, again. I I highly recommend the electronic cigarette. I think you should go check that out if you if you try you know one of these gas station cigarette shaped things and, and it didn't work out for you, then go get yourself a a variable voltage unit, something with a higher nicotine content, maybe something that that'll uh, help you ditch the cigarettes. Because um, I feel so much better that I don't have to deal with that. I yeah, and I mean for me, I have I have you know I have. Like to to support Philip Morris the way I have over the last twenty years. That's a real, that's a real, a real fucking moral letdown for me. Unfortunately, I seem to be addicted mostly to the additives and and conserv and preservatives, um, and less so to the nicotine. And I think that's uh, probably a pretty scary testimony to the shit they put in there. Exactly. Well, I'll tell you what. If you um, if you're finding that, so I I know what you're talking about because it wasn't entirely satisfying for me to to switch just to the electronic cigarettes because it doesn't have those twenty thousand different compounds in it. But what I would suggest is that maybe get a higher nicotine content because the nicotine is the primary thing. If not for nicotine, gentlemen, we would be no more apt to smoke cigarettes than we would be to light sparklers or blow bubbles. Uh, exactly. Right. Yeah. So it's it's a, it, the nicotine is the addictive chemical in it, but you you do get sort of used to other things that are in a cigarette. But if if uh, if you get um, in my case, I went all the way up to 36 milligrams uh, for my nicotine content, which is extraordinarily high. You can't even buy that in most stores. Uh, yeah, I, I had to order it from China, and uh, that was that was how I managed to get off of cigarettes by really like overloading the nicotine receptors. Now, you know that that sort of has its its downsides as well, of course, but. Uh, it's uh, it it beats the hell out of dying of cancer. And this is definitely a topic for for maybe another show. But have you ever smoked weed? I mean, that case, everybody. Oh yeah, party. yeah. I, I used I used to be a, I used to be a pothead. I used to smoke pot every single day, uh, and and I started smoking weed when I was young, like 13 years old, and and then I ended up on probation for a while. I got jammed up with the law, and I did have to stop. And when I went back to it, for some reason, it was just never the same. Uh, yeah. Pot, today makes me tired it makes me uh like like you know i'm a talker this is what i do i communicate for a living i can't utter a fucking word when i smoke weed i shut right the fuck up i get stuck in my head i get paranoid i get weird i I, you know i second guess every word that comes out of my mouth and i just i just don't enjoy being that way anymore and it's difficult to concentrate whereas you know it used to be just like my favorite thing in the world to do and i and I and I miss it in a lot of ways because I, I used to love that that feeling, but today I just don't even like it. Well, I I, I think that's a yeah that's uh, that, that's on the money. I mean, so many people do things that really make them unhappy, um, you know, and because they can't admit. I never mind. My point is, um, I think that's pretty, that that's not untypical. Um, you know, uh, when. I know many people who have quit and then gone back. There was a great, and, and Roseanne is a very controversial uh, name around here, but uh, there was a great Roseanne show episode where uh, where Dan and Roseanne um, found, like, a bag of weed and smoked uh, a joint and ended up, like, cloistered in the shower um, ca- calling 911. And this was pretty, like, the Brownies 911 guy. Um, but it was really, really fucking funny uh, episode, and, and a good depiction of, of uh, sort of the, um, the 
what you're talking about. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised. Um, you know, the other thing that I've heard a lot of people have said is, uh, and I think it might carry some weight, a, a pattern that some folks have noticed is that if you, uh, it, it, some people have noticed that if you start smoking weed really young, then it, it sort of loses its appeal when you get older. Whereas if you, if you started when you got older, then, then you might smoke weed the rest of your life. Uh, and, and I, I mean, would that be might... anecdotal evidence of that. Cause I, you know, I was an athlete in high school and I, you know, like I thought the stoners were, uh, you know, sort of, uh, way out there. Um, but, uh, but always enjoyed their company, um, so that would I, I would be I would be anecdotal evidence of that, um, and uh, yeah, I think you're I think there is something to that. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, I think it I think it carries weight. There's uh there's there's enough anecdotal evidence, as you said, you know that that I've heard a lot of people have made similar statements. Yeah, so guys guys who I know who got into got into weed in their mid twenties are like, I'll smoke weed to the day I die. But you know, me and a my friends who started smoking when we were very young were like, ah, weed? No, give me a beer, you know. <laughs> right, exactly. And you and you do look at like uh, the latest research on on where our uh, neuroplasticity is um, at certain at certain ages along, um, you know, our progression into adulthood. Um, it makes perfect sense as well. Right on, man. Chris, thank you so much, man. Dalek, thank you for working out the tech difficulties. Um, that was great. And, uh, Chris, I'm a big fan. I'll continue uh, to read and, and watch and listen. Excellent. Yeah, thanks a lot, gentlemen. Subscribe to the uh, subscribe to the email list on the website, the social media. A lot of you follow me on Facebook, and then, and then Facebook doesn't fucking show you everything. So if you subscribe by email, you get an email every time. And uh, I, I look forward to interacting with you guys. I apologize again for being late, and I'm, and I'm glad I made it onto the show because I had a blast being with you. Get in touch with me. I'm happy to come on anytime. Cool. Yeah. So did so. So did I. I won't speak for Dalek, but I. I did. I'm, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, and uh, you put up with sort of my esoteric questioning. So I, I appreciate that, and uh, and fucking Godspeed to you, man. Shake it up. Don't let that fucking system change you, man. No, I will not. I will not let it change me. I intend to change it. You want? You guys have a wonderful night. I'll talk to you soon. All, All right, right my brother. See ya. Nice, Dalek. Yeah, it was amazing. I I liked it. Yeah, I think that was a solid show. Uh, wow, <laughs> it, it was, was pretty. It was pretty well uh, uh, within it, and you know, I'm happy that you know we had uh, the pleasure of actually doing this again. I really do. I really do like it. Yeah, it's it was great, man. It's awesome, you know, and uh, you know we have. We, we have a lot of fun, and I think we look, we bring a lot of positivity, um, you know, to yeah. to the circle. And uh, subconsciously, that always has an effect on people, brother. So keep it up, man. And uh, let's get over to Rebels uh, show and uh, support him. Yes, definitely. I'm gonna I'm gonna start doing that right now. All right. All right, bye, bye. Peace, brother. Peace, brother. Thanks, man. <laughs>